Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Millennial Property. My name is Emily Wallace and as always, I'm joined by John Pigeon. How are you going, John? Very well, thanks. Emily, how are you? Good. We've got a cracker of that episode coming up today. Actually, this one was off the back of one of our community members um, had put a post out in the Facebook group. But before we reveal what it is and before we get started, we must give a special mention and shout out to Sean Wellman and the team at Wellman Finance. As always, I do do a bit of work with Shawnee, but I've recently been doing more so because there's quite a few first home buyers looking to enter the market and he's been getting their finance sorted, which is awesome. So we're not saying you have to use Sean. We just know he's a great man and that if you went and sought your finance from him, you would be well looked after. So Correct. be sure to check him out. Mm. Now, today's episode is around managing your own investment property. And by that, we mean looking after yourself, not having a property manager involved. And I think this is a really interesting one to unpack. It is an interesting one, isn't it? For 20 years of my own personal investing, I have never done it. I've never managed my own property, but I can see why people do it. So we're going to, as you say, unpack this and and I suppose for the listeners, give our positives and negatives of uh, why we would do it, why we wouldn't do it, et cetera, and, and then you can form your own opinion as to which, which way you would want to head with it. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I'm the same as you. I've only ever had a property manager look after my investment property yeah. and I definitely see the value in doing so by the same token. I think it probably feels like it's easier to manage it yourself when you don't have too many problems. If it's a really straightforward situation where the rent comes in every month, minimal maintenance, you don't hear from your tenant too much and they've been long standing, I can understand why somebody would think maybe I could just do this myself and I could save on the fees. Mm. So I think the way to sort of go through this is maybe look at the different stages of, of involvement from either a property manager or yourself if you're going to manage your own and what's involved, and then maybe you can make your own decision on if it's for you or if it's better outsourced to someone else. Yeah, correct. So early on in the process, it's it's all about getting someone into your property, isn't it? Where do we get this tenant from? How do we choose them? How reliable are they going to be? What's their track record? And that's where I think when you're trying to do this yourself, you have to do a lot of digging and research, don't you? So, it starts with the advertising. Starts with the advertising. The advertising of the actual property itself and and normally when you have a property manager, they will insist on uh, a paid photographer to come in and to make the property look good and put it online. They might insist on a board and they'll put it up on realestate.com and domain. In the private market of managing your own property, it's not uncommon I have seen personally to be advertising the property on things such as um, Facebook groups um, or Gumtree, things that actually don't cost you anything, which 
which can work out well. However, um, is it getting the maximum exposure to give you the best choice of tenants for your property would probably be where my question lies on that. I don't know what you think mm. of that, but that's what I think. I think asking the right questions and asking enough questions, like whether it's through a property manager or you're doing it personally, I think you've got to ask the right questions. Nothing's going to be foolproof, but I suppose looking at where the property is and and someone might be more inclined to manage their own property if that house that they've got as an investment is very local to them. I think generally speaking, if it's if it's outside of their city or suburb, they're going to be less likely to manage it themselves because if they have to go there for maintenance and things like that, it obviously becomes a lot more difficult. Would you agree? Most definitely. And I think, yes, the consideration of managing your own investment property would logically be where it's in, you know, driving distance from where you live. Um, if you're living in Sydney and your investment's in Brisbane, probably not the best idea to be managing your own unless you've got some really reliable family members on the ground up there potentially, but I'm not too sure about that. Yeah. And I suppose um, looking at the why you would manage your own property, if it is family member or friend that's in, in the property um, that you own, that might be a time when you would manage it yourself. However, I I wouldn't do it personally, manage a property that's I wouldn't put my friend or family member in it to begin with because I'd probably give them a better deal than what the normal public would get. So I think it's great for them, but not for for me as the investor. But um, yeah, so when we're advertising ourselves, what sort of things are we going to be doing if we're not using a property manager or a real estate agent? Definitely. So I think advertising, so actually getting the property up as a listing uh, to for people to drive traffic to it, to show it's available for lease. As I mentioned, some people do put them on Gumtree or Marketplace. At least get some decent photos in there that are clutter-free, even vacant would be great. It shows that it's nice and clean and ready to go. And then I think the next step for that is really advertising when it's available to be inspected. Now, in a normal environment, and I'm talking, when I say normal, I mean not COVID environment, you would see open for inspection times for rentals available where the property manager would meet the people there. You have to register, you have to show your license upon entry most of the time as well um, before you go through. So it's also, if you're managing your own, navigating your time uh, and availability to show a number of groups through the property so they can have a look and see if it's suitable for them. So in, in the cons column as to why we wouldn't do it ourselves, big one, as you mentioned, is time, isn't it? Mm. Like yep. when you've got a, a busy person or a busy family uh, where you've got responsibilities not only in work but outside of work, whether it be hobbies, kids, sport, etc., it, it's just another element that you need to be thinking about and, and um, thinking that – well, it's not always going to be plain sailing for no maintenance issues, no rent defaults, no late payments. All those things have got to be factored into when we're, we're making that decision. But initially when you, as you said, putting it on Gumtree, putting it on Facebook, um, getting the advertising out there, fielding all the inquiries yourself, that next level is then, right, I need to shortlist my applicants either by showing them through or um, looking at resumes, looking at due diligence, ringing previous agents that they've uh, rented through, what's their rental history like. You, you really need experience in that in that space, don't you? Definitely. And look, I think when we say experience in that space, it could be that you've maybe been in property yourself 
previously and you feel capable to do this, but also experience on the other end of being a tenant. Because I know personally um, in properties I've rented and the application process I've had to go through, every agency has a different form. So even though you have your generic details, you know, where you live and your job and income, everything like that, for if you've got to think about it from a property manager trying to sell their service to a prospective landlord, one of the biggest vantage points is saying, we dig a lot for detail to ensure that the tenants we put forward in front of you are really qualified. They've been screened a lot. So when you're thinking about screening your own tenants, you always need to have your own little application form of prerequisites you need to see on there and additional details. I'll never forget when I was leasing out my own investment property, the property manager said we request um, three months of bank statements from the tenant, which is not uncommon. Mm. And the reason that they did that, I thought that was just to show your salary coming in, um, which would be obvious. But she said, actually, the reason we do that is because we actually look for trends in their spending. For example, if they're going to Dan Murphy's every Friday (laughs) and spending $200, they might, you know, be drinking a lot of alcohol. Maybe they're prone to have parties, you know, do they go to Party World a lot? And it got me thinking about, gosh, these people actually do like a full investigation of who's going to yeah. be renting my home. And I thought that was great. Yeah, absolutely it is. And that, it comes down to that experience to know what to do and the process to go through, how deep to dig when you're actually trying to choose a, a tenant. Because the deeper you dig, the more you're going to find. And I, I think it, nothing's foolproof, but you, you need to do a, a, a massive amount of due diligence to to make sure that you are giving yourself the best chance of getting a good tenant in. Because I, I know back in my days at university, I, I wouldn't want to have rented to me um, <laughs> because there was four of us boys at uh, going to uni and uh, a few parties and whatnot. So I think a, a family with um, two kids and a dog might have been a better option. But um, yeah, so so knowing knowing who you want as a demographic of who you need in your, in your house is a, an important point. And also making sure that people who are um, on the application for the property are the people living in the property. And by that, I mean, you might be applying like a sh- for a share house and you put down three names, but actually those three people have a partner who's going to be joining as well. And it's actually a six person house, not a three person house. I may be speaking from experience here, but we had a, a landlord who came through, we were renting directly with the landlord at one point in my uni days. And he came through and he said, um, everything's fine, but why are there eight toothbrushes in the bathroom? <laughs> uh, there was there was six of us in the house. There actually was weird. It was a six person uh, wow. share house. He said, "There's eight toothbrushes. Who were the other two people?" And we just looked at each other like because two other partners had been staying quite frequently. So there you go. There's a tip if you're renting, <laughs> if you're managing your own property, look for the toothbrushes in the bathroom. Give away. Count, count the toothbrushes. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a good point. Like you may have someone who's living in your house who's previously defaulted on their rent or didn't get their bond back in a previous arrangement. So, but they've come in scot free because they're not listed on the tenancy agreement. So, yeah, very important to to do your checks and balances in that respect whether it's toothbrushes or uh, or resumes because because no one really paints an ugly picture on a resume resume do they no they don't tell you everything they just tell you what you want to hear so it's uh, mm. definitely important so that's the, the process I guess of screening your applications and and selecting a tenant and then the next step logically from there once you've picked the right person and you're satisfied with them when you're managing your own is then I guess somewhat of an onboarding into getting them into the property 
So for them to start the lease um, would require getting a bond from them. Now, in my experience, usually four weeks bond, is that similar to yours, John? Yeah, four, four to six weeks is pretty standard for residential leases. And, and having the documentation is, is the important part there and making mm. sure you've got the official documentation um, for the tenant if you are managing your own. Definitely. And the bond obviously has to be lodged with the RBTA from memory. It's like the way you put the money so that you don't spend it and it gets held in trust as a bond so that it can be released when the lease is finished if they um, have it all returned. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and and that's quite straightforward to do. Like the the world of online gives you the ability to download your your um, applications pretty easily now and register with uh, your bonds etc so that that can all be done but again takes time to do that as a as a one off setup and if you do have uh, multiple tenancies as in someone moves out in 6 months you've got to then repeat the process so you've got to give the bond back making sure that the house is acceptable to get the bond back in the first place and then go through that process again with the next new tenant and, and screening the next applicant. Correct. So in in the process so far, we've gotten to the point of all the documents sorted, the bond's been lodged, and now we're about to have the tenant moved in. What we're going to do is take a very quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about once your tenant is in the property, what you need to be aware of if you're managing your own or if you're engaging a property manager. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, so we've chosen the tenant, we've paid the bond, we've paid probably a month's rent in advance um, as an average and and the tenant's moving in and hopefully happy ever after. What sort of things that we do we need to keep an eye on when we're managing our own property? What, what sort of things do we need to factor in on an ongoing basis each week, each month? 
Certainly. Well, I think first and foremost, to ensure that we're on top of maintenance, which is a big thing, and the condition of the property, the first thing we must complete um, once the tenant's moved in within usually the first three to five days is a condition report. So this actually requires, again, a bit more of your time to have taken videos or photos of the home prior to the tenant moving in to show the condition that it was let to them. And then you need to allow time for them to actually cite those photos and videos and agree that it is true and correct. The condition, they've picked up anything, potentially, you know, a cracked tile or a loose door handle or a leaking tap. So they need to be able to comment on that. That probably is the grounds to help you really keep on top of your maintenance and condition of property to ensure that when the tenancy finishes, everything's returned in the same place or you can seek compensation for something to be rectified if damage has occurred during the time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, you mentioned pictures or photos and you mentioned videos. I think that's a big one, isn't it? To actually have that all documented and go to the nth detail to make sure that it is what it is when you moved in. And even a month after them moving in, you have another conversation to say, look, is uh, is there anything that's you need assistance with anything you've picked up that we missed in the condition report, just so you're on the same page and and nothing gets um, blown out of proportion down the track. Definitely. I think that's really important because also people listening to this who are a tenant might relate to this. Sometimes you can be nervous to contact the property manager or the owner with a problem because you don't want to bug them, but it's actually better to have that open line of communication. So any things that aren't in working order can be fixed timely so that it's not an ongoing issue. So make that really clear with your tenant if you're managing it yourself that you're available for communication and you will check in with them a month after they've moved in to make sure everything's good to go. Yeah. Now, One of the main reasons as to why I would always engage a property manager as opposed to doing it myself is they are the third party for me and they're the go-to for the tenant to contact in in the event of something going wrong, hot water system blowing up or I don't know, something that's gone amiss that needs to be rectified by the owner, right? Now, when you're managing your own property, you've got to deal directly with the tenant. And, and say, look, this is the issue. This needs to be fixed. You've got uh, one of two options. If you're quite handy, which is not me, you would go and fix it yourself potentially or organize for a trade or get some quotes from trades um, to go and fix it on your behalf. Now, that's where I think I just don't want to get involved. It, it's too much time um, that's being wasted, takes me away from what I'm, I, I, I do. And I don't think it actually saves you any money by um, doing the shopping around yourself. What do you think? I totally agree with that. And speaking from personal experience, my landlord actually lives at the very, I'm in a block of three and my landlord lives at the very front. We still have a property manager and now he is handy and he, I think he gets the choice if he wants to do it or not. But if he was away, the property manager is there to be able to organise a tradesperson to fix something for us. And I think that to me, as you mentioned as well, is the real value of having the property manager in there. It's It becomes their problem. You sort out the quotes, get me three quotes yeah. um, or tell me who your preferred person is to, to go and fix it and, and let it be done and for that money to come out of the, the next rental repayment to reimburse them mm. for the works. It's just, it's just easy. It's really neat and easy. Yeah, it is. And, and the beauty of that also is come the end of the financial year, you've got one nice, beautiful statement with income down one side and all your expenses, including those maintenance issues, repairs, etc., in the expenses column and 
straight away that's given to your accountant. So that's another easy part of having your, your property managed for you. But also for me personally, with my properties, talking to the property manager, I just say to them, look, if it's anything under $100, just go and get it done. Mm. If it's anything above that, yeah, just maybe drop me an email and notify me of what it is and get some quotes. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's great because yeah, just it's just easy. It's just nice and easy. And I'm just thinking um, as we're talking through this, it's probably the more properties you have, more investment properties, sorry, that you have, the easier it is to palm it off to a property manager. Because I can't imagine trying to navigate your way through managing multiple of your own. I feel like that would get really, that's almost a full-time job in itself, isn't it? You know, if you had four or five investments and you're running around after each of them, if they have problems and monitoring yeah. all your outgoing expenses and incoming rental repayments, it's um, it's a lot to, to think about. It is, yeah. And I think for for the listeners out there that are are wanting to grow a portfolio, if if you've maybe got one investment property that's local that you may be managing yourself um, or thinking about managing yourself, that's cool. If you're not wanting to grow the portfolio, then that might work out all right. But as you said, if if you're wanting to diversify your portfolio into other locations, um, have multiple properties in your portfolio, uh, I personally think it's a no-brainer to outsource that. You're probably going to pay around six to eight percent of the annual rent, other yeah, well, annual rent um, to the property manager for doing or creating that service on your behalf. But uh, again, is tax deductible and uh, it is a cost of doing business that you factor into before you buy the property. Definitely, and also included in the service from the property manager, there's two key things that I think a big value add. Number one is they collect the rent on your behalf. So they they monitor the rental payments coming in from the tenant. And it, as you said, puts a middleman in between yourself and the tenant. But the other um, really important thing is they do the routine inspections for you as well. So most properties will have two routine inspections a year, once every six months. And that's again, another time factor that you have to be aware of potentially, you know, during the day while the tenants are out at work to complete. So um, having that involved in the service as well, keeping an eye on your property, making sure it's in good nick. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the biggest worry for people that have investment properties is, are my tenants going to pay me my money on time Mm. and in full? Um, (laughs) So what's happening when you're managing your own property? Um, You're setting up direct debit details and, and hopefully that's all goes swimmingly, they're putting it in every fortnight or every month or however you've arranged it. Uh, But when you're managing your own property, what's happening if someone rent defaults? Exactly. And that's not really ideal. I mean, my current tenants haven't paid for the previous month and that's my property manager's problem. But if you're managing it yourself, that's your problem. And you need to be able to ensure that you can uh, receive that money because I'm assuming a lot of people are relying on that rental income to pay their mortgage repayment for the investment. So totally. if you're not getting it through, what what do you do? How do you chase it up? Mm. So you have a process that's going to be different in every state. So you just need to work out what that is in your state. Usually if they fall behind up to seven days, then, then a, a notification or a a warning or something to say you need to pay within another seven. And then after that, if they still haven't done it, then action can be taken. Ultimately, if if they're not paying and there's no result occurring, that's when you go to the uh, tenancy tribunal 
which again is another thing that you would need to arrange. Um, as a property manager, they would attend and do all that on your behalf. So yeah, hopefully it doesn't come to that, but it, it is quite common that uh, the tribunal gets um, involved in the process. Yeah, and that's you don't want that. And I guess that comes back to the fact of how well you screen your applications and getting a good tenant in who has great rental history, who's always paid on time to minimise the risk of them defaulting on their rental repayments because obviously that impacts you and you're going to have to factor in some extra money to cover your um, loan repayments if mm. the rent doesn't come through in that particular month. Yeah, absolutely. So we've spoken about maintenance, repairs, money, the, the tenants in there doing their thing. What about rental increases and like bonuses at the end of the year? Because I like to give my tenants um, a Christmas gift to to reward them for or, or being appreciative for being in my property and helping me run run my property. How we go about rent increases and and what do we do when we're managing our own property because we don't really have the advice of the property manager or the real estate agent. Definitely. Well, first and foremost, um, I'd love to be one of your tenants because I'd like a Christmas present from my landlord. Um, <laughs> second of all... Oh, look, it, it's not a Rolex watch by any means, but <laughs> like a, a carton of beer or depending on who it is and their interests. Um, yeah, I think it's just some an easy win that it, it's a feel good for the tenant. Goes a long way, definitely. As for rental increases, this is something that you're going to have to actually have your eye on the market of what's happening in the area where your investment property is because... Obviously, you would have had to ha- have a handle on that in the in- first instance to actually determine what the weekly rent would be, um, what you're going to rent the property out at. But then secondary to that with an increase, you're going to have to research again to see what's been the standard increase in this area um, over time in the last 12 months and what is a fair and reasonable increase for my tenants. Because you do run the risk if you increase quite significantly in one hit, you do actually run the risk of those tenants not wanting to sign on for another 12 months because it becomes out of their price point. It's a big balancing act, I think, a rental increase. Yeah, totally. And I think this is where the property management um, has their value as well is is they're pretty bullish about doing the best for you as the landlord. So they'll be monitoring that market, as you said, pretty constantly and they won't overshoot the mark, um, but they also won't, they'll, they'll ensure that you won't be paying unders or, or charging unders for your property either. So that's where, as uh, when you are managing your own property and you may be a little bit cautious, that's where you could actually lose your five or 6% because you're not increasing the rent because you don't want to, to lose the tenant. 100%. It's a, it's a bit of a tricky one, but property managers do have the knowledge and no doubt they're managing multiple properties in your area as well. So they have a pretty good handle on what the standard is and where your property sits and what a suitable increase would be at that point in time. Absolutely. There we have it. I think we've uh, we've covered off ma- majority. Um, it may sound to the listeners though we've just damned managing your own property and, and never do it. It's a silly idea. And look, that's our personal thoughts, but it doesn't mean it can't be done and it can't be done well. Um, we just need to factor in the downsides of uh, managing it yourself. And, and hey, if, if you're into it, give it a go. You might do it for six or 12 months. And if it works out great, then fantastic. If not, then you can always um, contact a property manager and get them to, to take it over for you. Definitely. I think in closing, the, the biggest thing is to understand that um, engaging a property manager, you need to see it as an investment, not an expense. And I think that's probably the defining reason as to sometimes why people want to manage their own is they see it as a cost. 
And yes, it is money going out, but it also in the long term is actually saving you time and money overall by having it managed. So just um, keep that in mind of your thinking of when you're thinking about engaging a property manager. Yeah, for sure. Cost of doing business, isn't it? Definitely. 100%. Mm. Just one final note for listeners. For John's course that he does, his academy, because I've actually, truth be told, spent a bit of time on the couch listening to it. Even though I've invested myself, I always believe in learning more. And this is probably something that you, actually, I know it is. It's something that you cover off in your academy around having your A-team around you and what that means when you are investing in property. If you haven't yet checked it out, I would strongly encourage you to go and do so. Um, The link directly to the courses in our show notes so you can go and have a look for yourself but really good language like simple easy to understand language around property investment and property strategy would highly recommend you go and check out John's course um, because it could be very beneficial to you. Thank you for that organic plug Emily. It's a pleasure. Uh, (laughs) Now, why are they going to see you? They're going to see you because they need a buyer's agent in Melbourne, isn't that correct? Primarily, yes. So uh, uh, having a a buyer's advocate in Melbourne on the ground in the southeast region, southeast Bayside region. A few people have messaged me on Instagram actually needing my help, which has been amazing. Really? So feel free to send me a DM on the old Insta. I'm on there daily. Um, but yes, I can certainly, you know, help in, in a range of capacities in buying property in Melbourne and, and buying property well in, in Melbourne as well. And, and if you're on LinkedIn, you need to connect with Emily too, because she's fast becoming the LinkedIn goddess. <laughs> I don't know about that title. I'm not sure. <laughs> Put that on the resume. Um, but yes, LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I'm very passionate about property and, and LinkedIn are two of my strongest passions. Definitely. I'll um, feel free to add me. I'll, I'll happily accept your request. Beautiful. All right. It was good. Thanks a lot. Thanks for tuning in listeners and we'll chat soon. Have a great week. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Special thanks to Wellman Finance, our podcast partner. Sean Wellman and his team are available to coach you through your property journey, even if it's your first time. With expertise in investment and home loans, they're in your corner providing education and support as you take each step. For more info, check out wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash M3. If you want to really turn up your property education and information journey, make sure you check out the Solvair Property and Finance Academy. This is an amazing online resource that John has put together. It's to empower and to give results to people who are either first time buyers, whether for their home to live in or an investment property, or if you're a seasoned property investor. This online academy is for you. Check out the link in the show notes. It will change your life if you let it. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 